0: This morning, we wanted to do something a little bit different. Um, And what we wanted to do is, it's one thing to kind of hear from pastors about what praise is. It's another thing to hear from people who do it every Sunday morning on the stage. And so uh, as we were planning out this series, we wanted to create an opportunity for you to hear directly from some of the people on our worship team about what praise is to them. We're going to be asking them a lot of different questions. And it gets better because you guys are going to have the opportunity to get a little interactive this morning. Uh, right around 9.15 this morning, if, you, uh, if we happen to have your email and you receive our, our weekly church emails from the one redeemers church at gmail.com account, I sent out an email this morning that had a link in it to a website where you can submit a question and it'll come directly to me. So this morning, if you happen to have access to your email on your phone and you received that email, then you can click on the link in that email and then you can submit a question as we're uh, you know, uh, interviewing our worship team. And if we have the time and the opportunity, we will interject that question directly from you. And the cool thing is, is, is it's anonymous. So if you have a question that you may feel like is, is, is a little bit too directive, uh, and, and you don't want your name attached to it, we won't know who sent in what was sent in. However, we will filter the questions. So, uh, uh, so if anyone happens to be Debbie Downer or Negative Nancy, uh, we will probably send those directly. We will forward them back to your email address for you to answer. And it will be titled, From God. So uh, but this morning, as we begin, um, we would like to welcome to the stage, uh, first and foremost, Pastor Dwight Bennett and Amy Pritchard and Ian Best, our worship leaders, as well as Christian Gibson and Jared Taranger. Will you guys put your hands together for these guys this morning? So, real quick, I just before we even begin, they have a couple of questions that our staff and elders uh, came up with uh, that we felt like not only we wanted to know, but we felt like congregationally would be uh, in, in information that you guys would like to know. Uh, but in addition to that, feel free, feel free to submit the questions. Um, the first question that I have and I can pass the microphone around but the first question I have is this is: can you share about how you have personally been impacted? By worship and when it took on significance in your life. How many of you guys know that, uh, you know, from the moment that you get saved, you may grow in your understanding of the power and value of worship? And so we're going to ask you, when did that happen? When did worship take on a significant, uh, you know, component of your life and your journey and your relationship with God?
1: Okay. Um, So I would have to say it's really from birth because I was born during a love feast that my mom and dad were, had planned to have. Um, and yes, that was late 60s, early 70s, as you could tell by the title. Now we call it Four Life Group. Um, <laughs> back then it was a love feast. But really it was uh, designed to um, just be a time where people would come together, read the word, praise, worship. So I was born into that. Um, My mom was always singing, dancing, playing the violin. Uh, Sometimes dad would join in, believe it or not. He was part of a choir for a long time. Um, So I guess you could say I grew up in a house of worship.
2: Um, I think for me, um, I didn't grow up in a um, church-going house. I just kind of was forced to go by my grandparents um and they went to a methodist church and so they sung a lot of hymns and that to me when i was younger was really boring and so i wanted to fall asleep during worship but i think when worship started to impact my life was when i started to go to youth group when i was about 11 years old and they were singing these songs that we didn't sing on sunday mornings and they the words that they would sing and there was just something that I felt inside my heart and it was just like this burning feeling that I like just couldn't contain it and I think from then I've had this really wild journey of um, worship just in my private times and being able to feel like I communicate better singing and, and worship than I do talking good. and so um,
3: I think that's, that's how it started for me. So I don't know if I've shared this story on a Sunday before, but um, I grew up in church, but for like half of my life, I never really had a relationship with the Lord and I never really, you know, I'd go to, I grew up in church, so I went every single Sunday, but I never, I never really had like a strong connection with him or worship or anything. But back in 2011, I had not been involved with this church or going to this church at all, but my sister, Brooke and Christian, um, my sister probably was going here maybe, I don't know, give or take a year or so, and they would always try to get me to come to youth group, and they'd always try to, you know, get me to come, and I just refused to go, completely refused to go. I just did not want to go. And um, one summer, uh, Caleb decided to take the, the youth group for their summer camp to go see Jesus Culture in Chicago. And I did not want to go, but lo and behold, my mom ended up forcing me to go. And Amen. Yeah, so I ended up going. I didn't really know anyone except for my sister and Christian, and I didn't want to be there at all. I didn't know who Jesus' culture was. I didn't know what on earth we were doing. And I remember we get there, we're walking to the arena that this event is going to be in. I have no idea what's going on. And all the, um, the people we're with, the kids and stuff, they're all talking about, how hyped they are to see Jesus' culture, how hyped they are that we're going to be going to a worship service and then coming home and then eating and then going back to another worship service and then eating dinner and then going to another worship service and then going to bed and then rinsing and repeating and doing it the next day. So I'm like, this is going to absolutely suck. (laughs) Because I didn't even like going to concerts, I didn't even like standing up, I was just like, I was thinking about how my legs are going to be so sore from having to stand up and all this. So we get there. I don't want to be there. And um, before they started the first session of the first day, um, Kim, Kim Walker got up to kind of give her testimony and pray before the service. I don't remember what on earth she said, um, but she got up to pray before worship, kind of like we do on a Sunday morning. And when she prayed, something happened. Um, and I've never felt this in my entire life up to this point. And, I just felt peace, unlike anything I've ever felt before. I felt, um, I felt joy and I felt loved, unlike I've ever felt before. And like I'm not a public crier or anything. I don't even cry. I've never cried in like a sad movie before or anything. And all of a sudden, I can't contain, or I, c- I just can't control, it and I start, I start crying uncontrollably. And there's nothing I can do to stop it. And um, it literally felt like God, like God was in the room with me right there. And I've never felt God's presence in my entire life before. And in that moment, I felt him for the first time. And then um, it, was like, it was like this very thing that I unknowingly had been searching for that my whole life I found it. And it was like I didn't know that was even a thing. And then I found it, and I just wanted more. And worship started, and the only thing I could think to do was to lift my hands and sing. And I've never sang before in church. I've never lifted my hands before but it felt so natural to me and it felt like it just it just was it was so effortless and it was so freeing to do so and the more I did that the more I experienced the Lord and it just from there just transformed my whole life and if it wasn't for that moment I would definitely not be at this church and I would definitely not be on this stage if it wasn't for that
4: Uh, for me uh, worship has been a part of my culture growing up here at Redeemers Um, a lot of things you guys have seen I've seen and I've been shaped by that. But what, what, when it really took a hold on me was we used to have a lot of youth camps here. And for years, I was always, first off, I was always ready for the hype. I was like, you know, there's going to be a bunch of people here. But I would say it was probably when Tom Crandall was here um, speaking. He's the youth pastor at uh, Bethel Church. And it was in this moment of worship where, where God was like, you know, this is fun. This is great. But you can do this without this environment. You can go home and you can still have an encounter with God. And I was like, are you sure? Because <laughs> this atmosphere is just so good, and, you know, it really took a hold on me. But prior to that, I've actually been on the worship team um, for probably 12 to 13 years uh, here at this church. I was down in the Royal Ranger room back when Royal Rangers was on Wednesday and so was youth, and I actually chose to go to Royal Rangers over youth for the longest time. And then uh, James Dewhurst came down, and he was like, hey, man, our drummer's out. You're up. And I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, and so that was that was how I started on the worship team and ever since God has never ever let me down, and there's always been a sustainable movement of the spirit where you just keep going and you keep going and the more the more faithful you are outside of um the atmosphere, the more the, just your expression grows so for me i've just been impacted for years from youth camps to Sunday mornings to Everything that you guys have seen, I've seen it too. So, Amen.
5: For me, day one, it's what attracted me to Jesus. I, I've always been passionate about everything I've done. You know, I didn't, I didn't ever show up on Friday night that I didn't want to win. I've never done anything in life that I haven't been passionate about. And when I came to Redeemer Church and saw these crazy people worshiping the Lord, I thought, wow, they're not crazy, they're passionate. And it captured my heart. And the thing I would just say is Dean Demas had a couple worship symposiums here. And uh, the other side was just packed with worshipers. And uh, I was blown out of the water in those worship symposiums. And, uh, you know, I've just never been the same Uh, I worship when I wake up in the morning. I worship all day long. You know, it's the running joke everywhere I go. Yeah, he starts singing first thing in the morning. And uh, how can you not? Yeah. So.
0: Another question we have is how do you pick your songs and prepare for when you're leading? This is for Amy and Ian. How How do you pick your songs? Is it just like a... Is it a Rolodex and you just kind of randomly select? Or what, what's your process for that?
2: Um, I think it would be the same for Amy and I. But, um, you know, we really, what it is is really what the Lord wants to do. You know, that I've never been, I've never chosen a set for a Sunday morning that I haven't heard from the Lord. And I would, that would be injustice to you guys. Because I don't, it's not about worship, picking worship songs isn't about how it makes me feel, or how, or how it, how I think it should be. I think it's, I think it's how we all collectively are able to enter into worship. And so, I think one of the things is is just uh, really praying to the Lord and hearing the songs that He wants, that may come to us. And sometimes that doesn't happen, but most of the times it does. But then we also, for me, I would like to correlate, you know, with what. whoever is speaking that morning, you know, kind of going off of that, you know, if they're talking about the goodness of God, I would want to talk about the, I would want to sing some songs about the goodness of God, you know, just to play off of the message that we're going to hear. But then also there's times where we've gone six or seven weeks in a row and we're like, we have no more songs in our heads to play. So then I go to my team and they're always, Sometimes the greatest, and sometimes the not, and sometimes not so great. But that's okay. And then we also like to hear, and I also like to hear from other people. You know, this is, this isn't just about the songs that we want to, we want to sing, or like the songs that we feel like God's gonna, God wants us to do. Sometimes I come to, you know, my wife or other people that I know that are a part of the worship team, or people that I know that love worship, like Beth. And you know, there's songs that Caris and whoever has sent to me, and you're like hey can we do this song and I'm like we can try we can fit it in there somehow but so I think that's that's pretty much how we get our songs our sets for Sunday mornings
1: Yeah, absolutely um, and you know I 100% agree with Ian with everything he said um, we are here as servants um, we um, always submit our songs to the leadership first before it ever comes to fruition. And um, there have been times when the leaders have said, hey, you know, instead of, can we? And we're absolutely yes, um, because we are under their leadership and really we're here to plow the ground. Um, We want to bring you to the throne of God because there's no better place to be. Um, but we're also here to plow the ground for the receiving of the word, and um, so we honor that. Um, I would also add that, and I think Ian probably does this as well, but if I sing through a song list and I can't worship to it, it's not coming up on stage. So I always, if I can't worship to it, I don't expect anybody else to be able to either.
0: Another question that we have is, everyone, some of the questions you guys have submitted are already in line, so uh, you'll hear those come out. But another question that we have is, everyone has different roles on stage. Um, you know, obviously some people are singing, some people are just kind of uh, background vocals or playing instruments. Uh, individually, what are your goals when you're up to play?
1: Since I have the mic, Yay. <laughs> yeah. um, well, first, I already said one part of it, is that all would be able to come and worship at Jesus' feet. Um, that's just my heart. Um, it's my heart's cry. It's, it's why I worship the way I do, um, because I want to be there. And selfishly, <laughs> I want to go there regardless if anybody else wants to go there or not. But I know that all of us do, so I want to be sure that I'm uh, creating um, a platform for everyone to do that. Um, I also realize that my role now is to be a, a bridge uh, and a springboard for the next generation um, of worship leaders to launch off of and to move this family into um, the the destiny of this church. So I also realize my role in that way.
4: My my role as a musician is always the presence of God. And um, right after the presence of God, it's obeying whoever the worship leader is. You know, um, it's no different than people that go to church that always have their opinion about how things should be ran. When you're a musician, you're like, oh, we should do it this way. <laughs> and you can, be, you can be right, but be out of line, and God won't honor that. The presence of God will always respond when you are in line as a team. So my role is to bring the presence of God and to continue to promote unity as a worship team wherever we're going. And uh, whether uh, another musician has a suggestion or the worship leader, um, my goal is always to support what they're doing
5: as the leader on the stage. I think what Christian said is epic because we're in the midst of one of the most amazing unified times this worship team has seen in the last several years. And this heart to be submissive is something that I'm going to be talking about next week. I'm going to do a message. Caleb pricked something in me on week two about your thrones. And I'm going to preach next week about how to get off your throne. Why do you need to get off your throne? But if these guys are all sitting girls that are sitting on their own throne, then it's going to be seven individuals playing a song that doesn't make any sense or bring in the presence of God. And so exactly what Christian said, you know, there has to be a submission. And the ultimate submission is the entire team to me because the senior pastor is the senior worship leader. And because it's my responsibility to feel and sense the direction that God has for the service, and I'm sensing and feeling that all week long. And uh, so the idea of submission is critical. And the fact that these guys are, I mean, I'm telling you, the unity that is amongst this team right now, and the choir, right. Come on. Come on. just listening to you guys participate over the last several months has been unbelievable. Right. And But if there's no unity and submission up here, it won't translate out to here. And so, I, I got you, buddy. <laughs> and, um, this is like staff meeting. Everybody's <laughs> like, ooh, ooh. <laughs> uh, but the, the, I'm, uh, I'm commending right. Amy and her leadership, Ian, and the entire team on how they have chose to submit to one another. And uh, when I say Amy in that, because she's submitting also to the team and, and the giftings. And they're working together in a way that's just bringing an amazing anointing. And so that's critical of what, he, or what Christian was sharing. Jared.
3: So I feel like I have something that goes definitely in line with uh, what you guys were saying. Um, I just want to go maybe a little deeper. So uh, part of my role as a musician on stage is two things. The first is to honor the point, and then the second is to worship. And I feel like they both go hand in hand. So what I mean by honoring the point, mm-hmm. um, so if you think about everyone who's on stage is a part of a team and a team is not made up of individuals who all have their own unique, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Their own agendas. They're not, they're not, we're not up here all with our own agendas. We're all not up here looking for the spotlight. We're not up here looking to, uh, you know, to show off or whatever. Like the worship team is supposed to be made up of um, people all within unity and people all um, in, in the same in the same line and part of what on, honoring the point is it's part of it's what I'm recognizing that I'm not up here to be heard I'm not up here to show off but I'm up here to serve the leader and to serve uh, to serve the leader to serve the church and to serve the Lord that the the Amy and Ian have been given positions of authority and positions of leadership and it's my role as a musician to back them up as much as possible and to make it as easy as possible for them to lead so the way I honor the point is by doing just that, making it as easy as possible for them to, to lead the songs knowing they have the back. I honor the point by showing up to practice on time. I honor the point by coming to practice prepared, having listened to the songs, having practiced the songs, having done memorizing of different parts and different pieces and song structures and all this, all of that just so I can make it as easy as possible for the leaders to know confidently that I have their back, that, they can, they can lean on me, that I can go where they wanna go, that if they wanna make adjustments on the fly, whether it's in practice or on stage, it's, I do all that preparation so that I can do that and so I can easily go where they wanna go. I honor the point by not being distracting on stage, you know, it's not, the point isn't to play as many notes as I can, as fast as I can, just because I can, like, that's not the point, so I honor the point by you know, knowing when to play versus when not to play. The times of not to play are just as important as when to play. And um, and then the second role on stage, like what Amy was saying, is to worship. That the whole reason we're up here is we're not here just to, we're not up here to just sing songs and play songs. We're up here to praise and we're up here to worship the Lord. So my heart has to be that in everything I do. And this is where it ties into um, honoring the point. If I don't do uh, the preparation, I don't do the work before a Sunday morning comes up, then one or two, one of two things can happen and both of which are not good. The first is that I can end up being distracted in worship, that I can be, we can come into a worship set and I can be focused on like, okay, so how does this corporation go? Or how does this part I play supposed to go? How am I, what am I supposed to do here? What did Amy say she wanted to do? What is Ian, where did he say he wants to go? I'm thinking about all these other things. Instead of focusing on the Lord and thinking about Him and being able to press in, if I don't do that, then I just, I create like a separation and I make it so it's harder for me to get all in and it's harder for me to actually to let go and worship and not think about the music and do all this other stuff. And then the second thing that can happen is if I don't do that, then instead of being distracted, even worse, I can become a distraction. And... Um, I can be, if I don't do that and I'm hitting a bunch of wrong notes and being completely lost in the song, what what can happen is I can actually be a distraction to others on stage who have put in the time and the work and who are actually pressing in and going into worship. And then I can end up being a hindrance to them and actually distract them and pull them away from worship. And that's not right. Um, Or even worse, I can become a distraction to the worship leaders and make it harder for them to do what they're trying to do, which is not honoring the point and then even worse than that, I can even become a distraction to the congregation, which is the whole reason we're up here, is to lead to lead you guys, and um, so those are the things that I would see as a role, besides just playing music and besides playing, those are the two core things that I think about, and that is my heart as a musician and as a role.
0: Um, <clears throat> there's a, been a lot of great questions that have been submitted, and I wanna kind of uh, switch dr- uh, directions, but one of them that really was valuable is, how can we as worshipers in the congregation help in the pursuit of God's presence? What can we do to make it an even better worship
4: service? From your perspective. Worship. <laughs> you know, it, that's a, that is a great question. How, you guys, the, these last several months, I've been brought to tears um, when I hear you guys singing. Because because we're releasing heaven when we sing, when we're declaring, we're building the throne And when you guys do that, when you engage, it's not just encouraging to us, because trust me, we have some Wednesday nights where we're going all in and you get this, just. (laughs) I mean, there's spirits being cast out, people being slain in the spirit, and there's people in the back row not engaging. And that can be, first off, discouraging, but second off, it's just a misunderstanding. So what you guys can do is continue to engage, but not only that, but continue to want more. Don't be satisfied with where we were last week, like, oh, that was so good in worship. I'm going to go light this week. No, we want to keep digging. We want to keep digging, and we want to keep digging. So I think that's a great way that you guys can uh, just engage.
5: You know, uh, it's interesting. Like, when you go to a major conference that you gather all the worshipers of the city together, and then you come, and it's like this unbelievable epiphany of worship and the, what happens is is they come anticipating that. Right. And so what you can do, and what I can do, is we can prepare ourselves Saturday night, early Sunday morning, that when you hit this sanctuary, you're anticipating and expecting something that's going to be incredible. And when you do that, you're bringing your best. So you bring your best to the table and match it with what these guys are currently doing. I'm telling you, it's a can't-miss formula. And so, but you anticipating, uh, uh, you know, this opportunity to worship, you coming with the heart to worship, you being prepared to worship is the key to creating our own epiphany, our own You know, every Sunday morning should be the greatest gathering of worshipers at Redeemers and should create the most amazing uh, situation. But to come and think you don't have a role would be completely wrong. And to come and, like Christian is saying, to hear your participation in the worship right now is staggering. It's incredible. So come anticipating, come prepared. Come, you know, ready to worship. Ian's got something he wants to add. That's a great
2: question. Just to play off of what Pastor Dwight was saying, but sometimes us as worship leaders know that you just being here on Sunday morning is giving your best. And that, um, like, there have been so many times where my wife and I have gotten into a fight on the way here and I'm like, I'm here and this is my best and this is all I have to give right now. And that's okay for us. You know what I mean? But, what else, but the other thing is, is that, you know, <clears throat> another reason why I'm up here is because there's a freedom that worship, there's a freedom that I get in, in worship and I want to portray that and want to be able for you guys to feel like you're able to be crazy and, and that you're able to just go after him wholeheartedly and not have a care in the world and that's, and that's something that I long for you guys to do and I, and I know that sometimes it takes it takes courage and you have to muscle up the strength to sometimes even step out of where you are right now and I think it was so amazing uh, the um, sermon that Caleb said last week, you know the seasons that the season that we're in sometimes alter the way that we worship, you know, and so I just really want you guys to be able to come here and feel a sense of freedom, you know, I don't want you to feel like if you're jumping up and down, that I or Amy or anyone on the worship team is judging you because I'm probably already jumping up and down anyways, and so I just want you guys to be able to sense that freedom because it takes more courage and it takes more time just to think about all the things that you've been doing than just to let go because when you let go there's nothing that is holding you back and you're not thinking about anything but the lord and so
0: amen i think one of the things that is important just to realize that in heaven there will be no stage so that means that collectively we will all be worshiping together and so You know, what what removes the uh, concert concept is just your participation in building your individual throne and in the corporate collective throne that we're building for the Lord is made up of all of us doing that. And so there's it's really is there, you know, the, the power of unity. Let's talk about spontaneous worship, because I think that we have the privilege of being in a church that values that and goes after that that is not normal in in along across the church spectrum to to enter into spontaneous moments uh question from the congregation can spontaneous moments be only instruments or musician led
2: i'm gonna go ahead and answer and i'll let someone else (laughs) do it but um i was talking to pastor caleb about this on thursday um me as a worship leader you know Worship is worship, and it doesn't just have to be with our voices. It can also be with um, our musicians, and that's why they're up here. And I, as a worship leader, on Wednesdays and on Sunday mornings, always encourage the musicians to, you know, take your time. Maybe, you know, we're only supposed to do this instrumental once or twice or twice. Maybe I want you to do it a few more times, because I want you to be able to prophesy over us as well. It doesn't just have to be with my words. But also with a song, you know, I was telling Caleb sometimes it's hard. It, as a worship leader, you have to be able to decipher whether it's flesh or the spirit, whether it's your flesh wanting to do this song because it's, that's what, that's just what's on your heart, or if you're really hearing what the Lord is saying in that moment during a worship set. Because so often we can get we can get involved in the motions in the song that and, and the song that we're singing, and things can just start coming out and coming out. And I'm not and I'm not saying that that's wrong, but we have to be able to have a sense and the discernment of the Holy Spirit and what he is really wanting to do. So to answer the question, it can be both musicians, music and uh, instruments and um, song and uh, voices.
4: Yeah, they absolutely can be just music. A lot of times worship leaders be like, hey, you know, I'm right here, just whatever happens, happens, which is some of our fun moments as a worship team, because this is is where you put the pedal of the metal you gas it up but you also have to understand that King David a lot of times would just play music and, and King Saul's literally like can we just bring that man in here just to play music because of what happens in just the anointing of God with just the music it is absolutely um, I don't want to say critical but when a lot of spontaneous moments in worship are driven by the instruments until until a lot of times the worship leaders will grasp what they're hearing or what God is saying so a lot of times it, it, a majority of the time probably 99% of the time they start instrument led, and then usually go from there. So
0: just to play off of that, uh, one of the songs that we have is, you know, not, you know, not, is it just, you know, can you lead spontaneously vocally or musically, but let's talk a little bit about uh, how we navigate through a spontaneous worship moment. Um, Pastor Dwight, you know, as worship is taking place, how do you and the worship team work together in those moments? Because I don't know about you, But uh, there have been moments where, you know, individually, you may be sensing something as the worship song worship is like peaking at a point. You're like, I want them to stay here. How, you know, without it being awkward, how do you communicate back and forth with the team? Because they may be sensing something here. You may be sensing something here. How do you work together to navigate through a spontaneous moment?
5: Well, how we navigate through is through respect. And, uh, you know, I give them the freedom to go where they feel like they need to go, and then they give me the authority to then interject the place where I'm feeling it needs to go from that point. And so, um, you know, and spontaneous moments come out of the place. This is, I was thinking about this question, Spontaneous moments come out of the place when you reach a level of the worship services where words are no longer applicable Mm -hmm. to the place your spirit is at. That's like the Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. There comes a place to where what we've done has got us to a place to where we're entering God's throne room. And when you get into His presence, sometimes the only thing left to do is to dance or to sing in the spirit or to, you know, navigate that to get, keep us in the place where God is going to be in a reality place to us that maybe we couldn't get to on our own. And that's in a corporate setting. And so you monitor these things just in the sense of, you know, uh, I've been on staff here for 30 years, and one of the things that I love to do is get to that place. And one of the things that I've practiced as the pastor is is to sense and to, kneel, to feel and to know that that mantle is on my shoulders, and, but to just have the freedom to, to do that. Um, you know, uh, really, like I said, it's all about respect. These guys put in all of this time to prepare us to get to that place. I honor that by allowing them to get there. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, very few times do I ask them to add a song or change a song because that's their mantle. That's their place of authority. There's sometimes a worship team sends me a list and I'm like, I have no idea. How this is going to get us anywhere, but and then at the end of the worship service, I'm doing like they do in Africa when they say "My God," and you just <laughs> I I walk out of here and I go "My God," how did we get there? But I don't ever want to leave that "My God." Yeah. And so you know the spontaneous moments are a treasure, yeah. mm. and I mean they are a treasure of. Getting to a place that you could never get to, you know, corporately is a whole different experience than individually, but it is an art. And I am kid you not, it is an art to walk out these spontaneous moments. And uh, I'd like Amy to, uh, to jump in on this because I've said this every place I go. And uh, so I'm gonna give Amy a plug here. She's one of the finest at mm-hmm. finding that moment and then taking us to the next dimension. And so she does an amazing, an amazing job with that.
1: Well, I, um, <laughs> thank you, but it is only by the grace of God that I go there. Um, and honestly, it's, it's um, how we navigate through, we, Ian and I, uh, make sure we keep our eyes on the leadership, um, on the staff. Um, we, it, you know, leading worship is really a mix of the pastoral and the prophetic. Mm-hmm. Uh, the pastoral is, is making sure that the people are entering in, the prophetic is making sure that we're aligned with what God is doing. And um, yeah. it can really be um, a good challenge um, to make sure because we can uh, I could very easily fall into that place and just keep going and keep going and keep going but if I lose everybody along the way it's it's all for naught mm-hmm. um, that's something that I need to do in my quiet place and I do in my uh, you know my own home but um, it, it how do you explain that place it's just it, it's such it's just a it's almost like your heart is just knit with God and and I often feel like I just you know to, to just to touch the hem of Jesus robe and and I think I said last week because it just overcame me that you know it, it he doesn't just want us to reach out for his robe he wants to embrace us and it's really true in worship you know he, he wants uh, he inhabits the praises of his people, and, and he longs for us to have that closeness in worship with him. So um, just, you know, I guess I just have a heart to press in and, and to get there and to do that and to bring everybody along with me. I want to, I want to give just one
5: quick analogy. When you go to the doctor's office and then he's going he's gonna to look at you and check you out, he can't hear your heartbeat until he puts the stethoscope in. And once he puts his stethoscope in, he puts it on your chest, he feels your heartbeat. Worship is a place to where we're putting our spiritual stethoscope in. And then when we get into that place of singing, we, you can faintly... And then when you get closer, it's boom, 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 boom. And you just feel that in your spirit about God's heart. And then when you... Do it all together, everybody is seeking the heartbeat of God. And when you get there, you know it. And you know, and you, you also, you know, when you're not there. Mm-hmm. And you can press it, push it, manipulate it, do whatever you can, it's not there. But when it is there, there's nothing you can do to stop it either. There's so. an
0: organic nature to sponta- spontaneous, and it's uh, Ruth Ward Heflin, she wrote a book called Glory. Yeah about 60, she was a worship leader about 60, 70 years ago. She said, praise brings worship and worship brings glory. And ultimately, all we want is glory. Praise and worship are the means to get there. And, and glory surrounds his throne. And it is a reaction to something tangible. You know, the holy, holy, holy of the, the angels around the throne, that is in reaction. And so it's organic. It's not scripted. They don't pull a a song, a hymnal out of their pocket like, okay, this is what we sing here. It's in direct response to what's experienced. That's why when we were off of great are you, Lord, that was a glory moment because no one told you to shout, no one told you to yell, no one told you to clap, no one told you to sing what you sang. That was glory. And that's ultimately where we want to go. And the spontaneous worship is actually glory. It's when it's, it is authentic and organic and it's reaction and it's unscripted. You can't manufacture spontaneous, as Pastor Dwight said. You know, uh, spontaneous worship manufactured is when people heard someone else singing a spontaneous thing and they're singing that. It's like, that's not you. And so, uh, just, uh, I love that we, we do this. It's so valuable. Can I um, add something
3: to that?
4: Go ahead. (laughs) Yeah.
3: So I kind of just want to give like a practical example of like so we talk about all like the the thought behind it, but I just want to give like a practical example of like how I will navigate spontaneous moments. So first off, it simply just like anything, it just takes practice, and I think spontaneous moments are a constant learning experience for all of us it's just like hearing the voice of the Lord you're not going to just get it and then you're done like it's constantly learning and learning to develop that gift of being able to hear his voice so I think it's no different with uh, with spontaneous moments and a thing that I like to do and that um like there's no magic formula for it but the thing that I that I've been learning and that I've been doing a lot recently is what I'll do when we when I feel like we're hitting a spontaneous moment is I'll actually stop and I'll actually wait a second and I what I'll do is I'll actually I'll just listen and what I'm doing is I'm listening for something or try, or trying to feel something and what I'm doing is I'm listening to see if God's giving me something something specific to play in that moment or I'm listening and feeling if he's moving on someone else on the stage and if he's giving them something to play or to sing out and this kind of ties back into the honoring the point thing I was talking about earlier um, like for example let's say I feel like God's moving on the keys and God's giving the keys something to play then in that moment that is the point where that's where God's moving and then that's the point that I need to honor so to honor that I will compliment what they're doing or another example i god could be moving on the worship leader and giving them new a new maybe a new chorus or a new melody or new lyrics or new uh new words to say so in that moment that's the point that i need to honor so my, my head has to be on a swivel and i have to move to that and then that's the point that i'm gonna, that i need to honor and um It just comes from just listening and like being, like we're a team, right? So we're all, like we all, we all can't be going, like Ian was saying, in all these different directions. So what I would like to do is I just listen and wait. And one thing that I like to do a lot is I like to push and enforce melody whenever possible. Um, Because if you think about it, like just whether, if you think about your favorite song, for example, Um, Whether you know it, uh, songs are recognizable by two things. They're recognizable by lyrics, if you read them, or more often than not, songs are recognizable by the melody and how it feels and how the song feels. If you think about your favorite song, someone humming the song, they might not sing the lyrics at all, but you recognize, hey, that's this song, that's that song. So what I'll do is I'll try to enforce and push that whenever possible, because also on the spiritual side, words have power to them, and I want to be able to give the give, if the leader's singing something new, I want to be able to give that something to ride on and give that something that, so that those words carry more weight with it. And I'll do that by maybe playing the melody exactly or playing a variation of it or giving the melody some harmony or giving it something else. It could be something completely different and giving it whatever I think honors the point the best, giving that, giving those moments as whatever I think is necessary to get that point across.
0: Yeah couple of uh, congregational questions. What are the different expressions of worship? Um, you can actually listen to last week's message. We talked about all of those praise expressions. Uh, then, if you didn't happen to be here last week. Um, another one was, you know, talking about, you know, if I feel at a loss for words or just soaking in the Spirit of God, is that okay because I don't want to disconnect from worship? That's the reaction to, to the glory. It's okay. That's called a selah. That's called a moment where you can just, Like even Jared said, you know, if in the middle of spontaneous time, can I just pull back? That's okay. God's not going to be upset by that. You know, um, and so uh, here's a couple other questions. Everyone on the stage has volunteered to serve in the worship ministry. How do you guard your heart from just going through the motions, having a performance mentality when you were up there?
2: Um, For me, both on Wednesdays and Sunday mornings, for uh, my worship team for Wednesday nights, and then it's for second Sunday, I pretty much have the same people. So for me, it really matters what 98% of my life looks like off the stage, because I only live 2% on the stage. I get. I just want to give you that analogy, but it mat- the 2% on the stage doesn't matter because it has, my, has to be aligned with the 98% off stage. And so my duty, as a worship person, not to get, as a per, as a person on the worship team, not to get that mindset of this is a performance or this is whatever, you know, what does your home life look like? What is my, what, what does my mindset look like when I go to work? Am I frustrated or am I grateful that the Lord has given me something to provide for my family? Am I being the best husband that I can be? Am I being the best? dad that I can be? Am I being the best servant to this house that I can be? Because ultimately worship, being on the worship team is servanthood. So like Dwight said, I wouldn't want to do anything as a leader that I wouldn't ask somebody else to do. If someone's asking me to go clean a toilet, then I'm going to go clean the toilet. You know what I mean? And I would not expect anything different from the worship team. And we are all one. There's no higher level than than other we honor dwight because he's the lead pastor of this house but when it comes to me and my worship team i'm not greater than anyone else they all have a gifting that god has given to them and we all respect that as one and so for me it mat- what it matters more off the stage than it does on the stage so that's how i um operate
0: yeah how do you guard your heart from just going through the motions having a performance mentality when you're up
1: there so I think of, in Second Samuel, the story of, is it Uzzah? Uzzah? Um, he is the gentleman who um, made the unfortunate mistake of yeah. mishandling the ark, um, and he mishandled the, lo- the glory. Mm. Yeah. And so that brings a gravity to what I do, um, mm. and I understand the importance that God puts on worship. Um, worshiping... How, how I can't perform when I am ministering to an Almighty God? I give him my best because that's what he, he deserves, but I can't just go through any kind of motion because I love him too much.. <laughs>
3: I'd say for me, a big thing that I will do a lot is just remembering the whole why and why I'm here and why I chose to be on the worship team in the first place. If I ever feel like I've drifted from that, I'll simply have to remind myself of the why. And my why has always been um, just I want to be able to provide people with the same experience that I received in 2011, mm-hmm. that same encounter that happened to me, I want to be able to give other people. and. So for me, if I feel like I'm going through the motions and I've drifted from that, I have to check myself and remind myself of I'm not here for any other reason than to glorify the Lord and to uh, be used by Him to help lead people into encounters.
5: Go ahead, Kev. I'll just say this: You know, there's times the worship team we pray every Sunday morning in my office, and there's times I know that several of them the week has just beat them up, and they're tired, and they're I mean, they're here sacrificially. And I'll just say to them, hey, you know what? Just give God whatever you have left. And, and it's amazing, you know, because these guys aren't robots. And they put in more time than you'll ever imagine. But they have real life situations as well. And so when I know that they're just wore out, I just say, hey, do me a favor. Just give God whatever you have. Because I know the Bible says when we are weak, he is strong. And out of their weakness sometimes comes the most incredible application of worship. And that's just a lesson for all of us, too. You know, when you walk into those doors, something might have happened to you during the week that just zapped your energy. Whatever you have left, whatever it is, give it to God. And in your weakness the strength of that worship comes forward so go ahead caleb
0: kind of a a a last uh question then we'll or actually we'll just do two questions and finish but uh some of the congregational questions really fall under the line of question number uh five we are a multi-generational church can you explain how that impacts the way that you lead worship and um, some of the congregational questions that kind of fall in line with that is Is it a struggle to honor the past and yet push to the future on worship songs? Change uh, worship. Songs change, worship crowds change, and yet you all have to keep the pulse of where you're going in worship. Um, And another question was, uh, you know, what about some of the older Redeemer's praise and worship songs? How do we incorporate those in what we're doing?
1: So, um, many of you know, and some of you don't, I've been a part of Redeemer's Church for about 48 years, maybe a little longer. um, And I know it's hard to believe, because I'm only 28. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I've been part of the worship team for, in some capacity for um, a good part of 30 years. So, I've been through a lot of iterations of what worship has been in this church, um, and each one of them has their own precious gift. Um, you know, it, and it's really been a gift to me. Uh, you know, I was reading in Jeremiah last night, and all of a sudden I'm singing, Ah, oh, Lord God, thou hast made the heavens and the earth. You know, uh, I wake up in the morning and I'm singing, This is a new day, I will praise you. Uh, I get in the shower and I'm like, let the dew of heaven fall upon my thirsty soul. You know, the jukebox goes on and on and on, um, and it doesn't stop, and it really is a gift. Um, So uh, I'm mindful of the the past. I don't want to lose that part of who we are. It's part of our patchwork quilt, if you will. But I'm also aware of the generations coming up, and there are many different genres of music that God is using and has used and will use in the future um, to propel us where he wants us to be and and, uh, where he wants us to go in the realm of worship and to draw people in um, to experience him in a new and awesome way. So yes, um, that's why every once in a while you'll hear me bring a. A song that you haven't heard in probably 25 years maybe Um, and Ian sometimes will do the same thing but uh, you know there there is a place for both and it's such a privilege to be part of a church that has zero to 100 years of uh, folks in here and and I'm just honored to serve and um, to do to be part of that
0: I think that just uh, brief interjection, I think you know, that has to be a conviction or a value of the worship leaders because you know, primarily they're going to be selecting the songs. I know that Ian and Amy really value that. And there are timeless, we know this, there are timeless classics. I mean, Agnes Day, that's not super old, but that's older. You know, uh, I Exalt Thee, we sang last week. There are songs that uh, have, are trigger points you know, for us uh, and and I'll never forget what Millie, you know, shared at the 50th anniversary. It is a timeless truth. Embrace the essence. Forsake the form. Not that we will remove ourselves from all of the older songs, but there are there are newer songs where the Spirit is moving upon those things, and we have to be mindful of the old and the new, and balancing that out. Ian?
2: I was just telling Caleb on Thursday that I Exalt Thee is probably one of my favorite songs, and The reason why it's my favorite song is because it's not about, I'm only doing one thing and I'm only magnifying the Lord. And Mm -hmm. that's what most hymns are, is that they're not about the feelings. It's strictly just proclaiming who God was. And so for me, I honor that because I want not only for us to be able to magnify the Lord, but I also want to I also want to respect the people that have wrote those songs, because they wrote them from somewhere in some sort of season. And I also want our church, because I realize that that we're a multi-generational church, and however, I've not been here that long, you know, but I've also have seen a lot, and I've also have grown a lot. And so I want to be able to honor you as a church, and so I want you to be able to hear some new songs but also recognize the songs that we sing Mm -hmm. i sent agnes day to amy this week and i said hey what about this song and she's like it's an oldie but it's a goodie and i said i love the oldies because as we have to respect our elders as we've we've grown up hearing respect your elders we respect the songs that are older Mm -hmm. because they have wisdom and they give us an impartation that sometimes these new songs may not have those and i'm not saying that new songs are bad but the oldies will always have a special place in my heart just because they've, they've only been to magnify the Lord and to praise the Lord's name.
0: Uh, last questions. Um, number one, are you going to write your own songs? And two, you know, if people have a desire to be a part of the worship team, what's the process for that? <laughs> <laughs> last, last week, if you don't know, Jesse wrote, was it the Romans 11 song that we sang? Um, How many of you
5: enjoyed that? Yeah. Uh, I'm telling you, the second or third time through that song, we were we were on our way to Mars. Mm-hmm. It was incredible. Yeah. how that was. But that, that's that's in. There's lots of songs that they
1: are, written, and we sang one of the ends. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. And we will yeah. do it again soon. <laughs> yes. so, Won't we? Um, no, I, I, in sitting down with each one of the worship team members, it's amazing how many um, are writing and that God is just filling them over and over again with, with new songs and, and old, you could call them old lyrics, but they're fresh because the word doesn't go stale. Yeah. right. You know? So um, it's an exciting time. It's an exciting time for our worship um, it's an exciting time to hear what's coming from the hearts of the singer-songwriters that are part of the team, and um, I'm excited for the future.
2: Um, I'll say for me that I do write a lot of songs. However, I don't share them very often because I've had a fresh perspective of the songs that I've the songs that I have written are songs that are feeling songs, and for me, I want to be able to write a song that's based off a of theology, you know, what God has said, you know, being able to being able to sing a song and you guys being able to reference it through the Bible, being a going, being able to sing the revelation song and going to the book of revelations and knowing why yeah. we're singing it, seeing Romans 8 or whatever it is Romans because uh, Romans 11 and we're being able to go to Romans 11 and yeah. see where that where this song's coming out of, Psalms 23, all of these songs that I and that's I have a lot of songs, but they're not shared because they're for a personal time of worship rather than a corporate time of worship. Uh-huh. And then the second question was...
0: Uh, if you have a desire to be a part of the worship team, um, what's, the <laughs> proce- what's the process for that?
1: Um, the process is to be a member of the church, first and foremost. Um, we need to know you um, just as well as you need to know us and, and know our congregation and... and um, what we do here for praise and worship. Um, I think the next part would be you letting us know that you're interested and then the part three would be you come in and have a tryout. Um, You sing for us or you play for us and we hear your heart as far as worship is concerned and what your interest is and then we go from there.
0: Should we close or, or can we ask one more question? What do you think? (laughs) okay I love this question that's why and it came in late and I was just like "Man, we're becoming more and more a multicultural church is there a way to make our worship multi more multicultural as well yes
1: (laughs) see law (laughs) no absolutely that's that's a great question and um, Yes, there there are songs. Um, like I said before, there are many different genres of music that can be uh, can, that can facilitate uh, the Holy Spirit working in our congregation. It's not just one specific cookie cutter stamp. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's another exciting thing that we're not just multi-generational, we're multicultural. And yeah. um, so that's another part of this that we are gravitating towards, moving towards more of, is uh, finding those gems that will bring us all um, into that uh, place of worship, and regardless of the genre. Um, at, but looking more at the um, more diverse, maybe, styles uh, that are out there. So, we're always giving thought to new. And, you know, to, to know, that, as far as my knowledge, I mean,
0: all of these things that we are, I want you guys to, or encourage you to honor the point of where we are, you know, uh, just in worship as, as at large, you know, uh, these types of conversations weren't, have not always been the case, but they are conversations that we're having and things that we're, in, we're thinking about and trying to, you know, uh, plan out and be a part of. It. And so that's really encouraging.
5: Caleb, I just want to say, yeah. this. this will be my last comment. To me, worship is a lifeline. Worship, to me, is a lifeline to stay alive in ministry. Mm. There are times in my life when I have prayed the last prayer, I've counseled the last ounce of energy, I've preached out of nothing, Uh, I've seen little children who are as poor as can be with ratty clothes in Africa, uh, and, and I've seen it all, and it takes it out of me. I mean, sometimes there's absolutely nothing in me. And the only thing that's my lifeline to ministry is worship.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
5: And it's the only thing that brings me back to a place of centering me to say, okay, I can do this again tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Because I my focus when I worship is on the one who is able to do exceedingly more than I can ever imagine. Yeah. And it comes off of me and mm-hmm. my weakness and my tiredness and my emotional doneness. But when you enter that place of worship, something just dramatically and drastically automatically changes. And And so for me, worship is a lifeline to stay focused to, to minister. And for those of you who are giving out, you know, you're never gonna get back from those you're giving out what you're giving. The only way to get back what you've given is to get it from God. Amen. And worship is that lifeline that keeps us to be able to minister. Amen. Worship is powerful Amen. in a hundred different ways. Amen. And we could
0: talk about worship for the rest of the year. And so will you guys just stand with me as we close this morning? Can you guys put your hands together and just honor our worship team? and? just go ahead and pray. God, we thank you, uh, Father, for the rich history of worship in this house, Lord. God, we thank you for the future of worship and where you're going to take us. God, I pray that you would enlarge, Father, each and every one of us, our senses and our awareness of, God, where you're going to take worship in this house, Lord, and that we would be able to get in line with that and, Father, we would be able to flow in unity, God, as we build your throne. Father, I thank you for the culture that's been created here, God, not only to be a house of worship, but to be a place, Father, where there are not spectators, but participators, God, people who build your throne and love you, God, as they they lift it and raise you up, God. And so I pray that that culture would continue, God. I pray that we would build on the momentum, God, that has sovereignly started in this year, God, as we worship you, Lord, and that we would truly enter in, God, to the glory, Lord. We thank you, God. We give you praise this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. We love you. We'll see you next week.